In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, dear Christian friends, about 20 years ago, my family had, had a family friend that moved to the island nation of Indonesia. The man was called by our church body to be a missionary in this country that is 90% Muslim. And it was a challenging task, to say the least, because while it isn't illegal to talk about Jesus, it is illegal to start a conversation about Jesus. Which makes it a whole lot harder to to bring things around to what God has done and who Jesus is and, and the forgiveness we have in him. And yet in spite of this tremendous obstacle, the Holy Spirit worked faith, brought souls to know Jesus, and they gathered a number of churches in and around the different towns and villages. And those little gatherings of Christians, they built small churches to worship in. And then those churches were burned down. And they rebuilt them. And then they were burned down again. And it was around that time that uh, the missionary who was sent there to train Indonesians to be pastors and teachers, he sent word back to the United States asking for eyeglasses. He said, if you have old pairs of eyeglasses that you don't wear anymore, laying in your drawer somewhere or on a counter somewhere, send them. And, and people did, and hundreds of pairs of eyeglasses arrived over the, the next couple of months. And, and those Christians, they, they set out tables in front of their little churches, and they put all these eyeglasses out. And they encouraged their neighbors to come and try them on. And at first, no thanks, no way, right? They didn't want to be associated, they, they were skeptical, they didn't want to be affiliated with those Christians, But over time, at first one, and then two, and then groups of people began to come and put on these different glasses, trying them on, because all of a sudden they realized they could see. Most people in Indonesia couldn't afford an eye doctor, much less eye glasses, and so they didn't realize how long they had been living without seeing all that there was to see. But now they could see. And an amazing thing happened. The next time the the radicalized people came to burn down the churches, you know who stopped them? It wasn't the Christians. It was their neighbors. The townspeople who had seen a glimpse of the love of Christ from those Christians. They had seen a glimpse of who Jesus is. This morning, we are going to find this very interesting situation where Jesus comes upon a man who, he doesn't just have diminished eyesight, he has no eyesight. He was born blind. Never seen the blue sky or the dazzling sun or the the faces of his friends and family. And Jesus healed his blindness. And, And in the resulting commotion, he teaches a really important lesson about what it means to see. 
to see clearly. We read from, uh, from John chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. As he, Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. So one Sabbath, Jesus and his disciples, they came across a man who was born blind. And the disciples asked a question that that I think most people think or wonder or curious about when they see someone who is suffering, someone who is debilitated, someone who's who's got a, a deformity. And they asked, why did God do that? Right? That was their question, really. Who sinned? Whose fault is it that God would, would do this? Because it seemed just patently unfair that God would have this poor man born blind. Someone must have done something pretty terrible for that to have happened. They couldn't understand why, right? They were wrestling with the, the uncertainty of all of it. Why would God allow this to happen? And they wanted Jesus to give them some clarity. And did you hear what Jesus' answer was? No one sinned. This man wasn't being punished for his sin or someone else's sin. No, no, no. This, God had allowed this for a good purpose, right? Jesus says, so that the works of God might be displayed in him. God had allowed this man to be born blind and to be blind for a part of his life so that he could see for eternity. Which brings us to our first takeaway this morning, if you'd like to fill in the blank on page, on page 7. It's that God allows weakness and suffering so that I see his power and grace. So then Jesus spit in the dirt, made some mud, put on the man's eyes, told him to go and wash in this specific pool, and realized Jesus was asking this man to trust, right? Because the man couldn't see Jesus. Like, he didn't recognize this as Jesus because he'd seen him before. He couldn't see anything. He'd never seen Jesus' miracles performed But by the power of the Holy Spirit, the man trusted Jesus, went, washed, and was healed. He could see. He went home seeing, right? Can you imagine what that must have been like? To go from never having seen anything, complete darkness, to seeing everything. I've got to imagine that every single thing was like a new marvel, a new reason to to praise God. So the man went home, right? Because he didn't need to sit and beg anymore for help. Now he could work. And he wanted to go home, obviously, to share the good news with friends and family he could see. 
And it didn't take long for word to spread and his neighbors to wonder, who is this guy? I mean, they knew who it was, but it made no sense that they knew he had been blind his whole life. They'd seen him needing help getting around. He had left home that morning blind and he came home seeing. It it made no sense. They couldn't understand it. And so they went to their religious leaders, the Pharisees, to get some answers. They did what any good Jewish person would do. Now, the Pharisees were were the leaders, and for two reasons. One, they were experts in the Old Testament scriptures, but, but they were also outwardly good and moral people. They were highly respected. So listen to the exchange there, beginning at verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. So the Pharisees wanted to hear the whole story, right? The neighbors had told them, they, but they wanted to hear it for themselves. They brought the man in, but, but they quickly dismissed what the man who had been blind and now could see told them, right? Because, well, they said Jesus couldn't possibly be from God because he had broken the Sabbath laws. What? Like, who is the blind person here? The Old Testament Sabbath laws that God had given to his Old Testament people were not so restrictive that spitting in the dirt and making a little mud was considered work. They were not so restrictive that this incredible act of kindness and mercy that Jesus had shown to this man would have been breaking them in any way, shape, or form. They had completely missed the point of what the Sabbath was. Because the Pharisees had put all of these extra restrictions and regulations around God's laws so that they wouldn't even come close to breaking any of God's laws. But in doing so, they completely missed the point. They were blind instead to the miraculous healing that had happened right in front of them. Because all they could see, all that they were confident of, was their misguided idea of earning God's favor. Finally, after arguing whether Jesus was from God or whether he was a sinner because he had done some kind of work on the Sabbath, well, they interrogated the man. Who did this? And this man who his entire life had never seen a thing simply said, he's a prophet. He had never seen until just a few hours before, but he could see so much more clearly than these supposed religious scholars that Jesus had done something that only God can do. And therefore, at the very least, he has been sent by God. Now in the verses between what we just read in verse 17 and the next verse where we pick up in verse 34, the Pharisees want to know more. They bring in the man's parents. They question them, and not kindly. 
Like, is this even your son? Did, was he really born blind? Or have you been swindling people your whole life, his whole life, having him beg and, and ask for help? They're not nice. They're not kind. They're not looking for real answers. They're trying to do anything to discredit the situation. They were so blind because the only thing they were certain of was their own righteousness, their own morality, their own works that they thought earned God's favor but did not really do so. The parents, they wanted nothing to do with this situation. The Pharisees had threatened anybody who talked about Jesus would be thrown out of the church. So they hedged. And they said, ask him. And so finally they did again, right? And this was no longer a a fact-finding mission. This was now a witch hunt. And they put the, the man who had been blind through the third degree. They were hoping he would say something, anything, that they could use to discredit him or especially Jesus. But instead, the the man just became more and more bold in in pointing them to Jesus, which brought out an explosive response from the Pharisees. Take a look at verse 34. To this they, the Pharisees, replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. So the Pharisees lashed out at this man. They threw him out. right? Not just their presence, but the church, the local synagogue. Because the miracle Jesus had performed had given this man physical sight. And the miracle that Jesus had performed in giving this man faith had given him spiritual sight. And we see that. right? As Jesus came back, found the man, and as, as he pointed him to the Savior and said, he's the Savior, what was the man's simple answer? His beautiful confession, Lord, I believe. This man who hadn't seen anything ever until just hours before could now see so much more clearly than so many others because he didn't see only with his eyes. He saw with faith. He saw with spiritual sight who Jesus really was, what Jesus had done, and that gave him confidence. It gave him certainty. The Pharisees, on the other hand, they they missed all of that, right? Which is why Jesus speaks the words in verse 39 that take this from being an interesting story in in the Bible to something that applies to all people of all time. Did you hear what Jesus said? For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Because Jesus had come into the world to expose, right? To make, to bring into the light what sin really is. Who is really guilty of sin and what it means that we stand 
under the judgment of guilty before God. The Pharisees missed that point, didn't they? Right? They, they had this miracle staring them in the face, and, and yet they refused to believe. They refused to accept anything that was concrete and obvious. Because it didn't make any logical, uh, logical sense. There was no reasonable explanation that this man that had been blind his entire life could now see. It's, it's impossible. Except if Jesus is God. Except if Jesus is the promised Savior like he says. And they simply wouldn't get on board with that. They wouldn't allow that. They wouldn't accept it or believe it because they were spiritually blind, living in the darkness of sin. And so they rejected that explanation and they looked for any other one, any excuse, right? Jesus is a sinner because he did some kind of work on the Sabbath. This man wasn't ever blind. He was conning people. Or maybe this isn't even really the man, right? That he's a lookalike. He's a stunt double. They were looking for anything, anything besides what was obvious, anything besides what was certain to try to find an answer that fit what they believed that they were good on their own and didn't need a Savior. And that's really the problem, isn't it? Not just for the Pharisees either. It's the problem for all people, right? This spiritual blindness is something that we're all born with. It's our second takeaway today. That all people are naturally blind to their need for a Savior. Because we tend to see sin, I mean, like we know about it, but, but we tend to see it as, as something that other people do. It's the thing that causes them to suffer painful consequences. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's the bad stuff that others do. But not us. Not, we wouldn't do that, right? No, we're, we're blind. Too often to our own sins, our own failings, we are blind to how far short of God's standard his demand of perfection that we really are. And as a result, we miss that we need someone to rescue us. We think that we can handle it, we can do it, we can dig our way out of this mess, we can balance it out with good, we can do enough nice things and, and karma all work out. We have all these misguided ideas about how we can fix the problem of our own brokenness. And none of them are the answer. You know that, right? And yet we do it, right? We look around and we're, boy, we're good at seeing sin in other people. We're really good at, at identifying faults and failures in all y'all, but not me so much. Because we want to think, you know, I'm a pretty good person. And we lose sight of how damning that idea really is. How, how that blinds us to the reality that sin has destroyed our relationship with God. To how 
God should cast us away forever. Thank God, though, that he sent Jesus to help us see clearly. That's what Jesus said he came to do, right? To expose, to help us see clearly our own sin. Not just the sin of everybody else, but to look at myself and the way God sees me and to expose the failings and the faults and the brokenness, even the things that I think nobody else sees, even the things that I wish God didn't see, but I know he does. But here's the thing, we don't only see our sin. It's our next takeaway. That my sin helps me see my desperate need for a savior. Because when I recognize how needy I am spiritually, well, that's where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the one who came to rescue you. Right? We see that Jesus didn't just live a perfect life so that we would know what God expects, but he lived a perfect life so that his perfection could be credited to me, to you, by faith that trusts in him as Savior. We see that Jesus didn't die as the unwitting victim of a, a traitorous friend and a power-hungry group of men. No, he was the willing sacrifice to fulfill God's plan and God's promises. That on the cross, we see clearly Jesus wasn't just suffering the physical agony of the whipping and the beating and the nails, but he was suffering the wrath of God, the holy God, that we deserve. And that because he suffered God's wrath, he assures us that we never have to. He promises us that, that all of our sins have been paid for. So we, we see now that we don't need to hide or excuse our failures because Jesus has paid for them all. We see that death, it's not the end because Jesus promises us he died so that we would have life with him forever. Jesus helps us see that the, the difficulties and the suffering that we go through in this life, it's not God's punishment because Jesus took all of that punishment on the cross. It's actually often God's using us to display his power and his grace in us and through us. See, we have the privilege of seeing an awful lot of things, right? An awful lot of amazing things. The joy on the face of a loved one, the amazing mountains, beautiful sunrise, indescribable acts of kindness. But our physical eyes only see the surface of things. And when we think that that's all that can be seen, well, that's when we get ourselves into trouble. That's the danger, right? And that's our, our last takeaway today, that Jesus helps me see the way God sees. Jesus helps our, see ourselves the way God sees us. People who by nature are broken and lost, but people whom he has called, whom he has washed in the water of baptism, his dearly loved children covered in the blood of Jesus and forgiven for all eternity. He helps us see ourselves that we are his dear children 
so that we know that we get to see Him now and forever in the glory of eternity with Him. Jesus helps us see all of that so that we would have certainty of His love and His forgiveness now and of the joy that awaits us forever. Amen.